In this podcast, we explore the fascinating history of English through the lens of morphology. Through specific examples, we will take a journey through English past and present. We will examine key points in history and uncover whether changes in English are unique to just English or if they are broader trends that are happening to multiple languages. Linguists aim to study descriptive grammar, aiming to better understand the systematic rules that govern a language by observing native speakers. Although there are many ways in which English has changed, we will describe these changes through mythology, the change in the way the words are formed. Consider the sentence, I said that I saw the bird flying. Now consider, they said they saw the bird flying. So the word said in Old English is but it turns out that in these two sentences, different inflections of that word are used. As a reminder, an inflection is modifying a word by adding morpheme and to, to indicate information like tense, aspect, mood, uh, gender, person. And in this case, uh, the word I said is actually quo, and the word they said is don. So in each one of these sentences, um, the respective form of said is, is used, right? So that is a key difference um, between Old English and, and New English, right? And, and highlights a general trend where English is becoming more analytical, right? So separate distinct words are used to specify meaning rather than modifying individual words themselves. So now we have a separate word for he, they to indicate the subject rather than encoding this information um, in the verb with an inflection. However, we still haven't answered our main question, right? Is this trend uh, of becoming of inflectional syncretism, essentially where the inflections are, are sort of disintegrating and we're seeing a more analytic language, is this unique to English or is this something that we're seeing in a lot of other languages? Well, it turns out that this is actually something that is dependent on the language itself. In other words, it's not a general trend that we're seeing o overall, right? So take Germanic languages, right? Where, which actually are, are, English has a lot of roots in these, right? When, when the Saxons invaded uh, Britain, for example, during the fifth and sixth centuries, um, there were a lot of, of tribes that, that fought over the languages. And if you look at that, if you examine that history, you know, you'll see that um, Old English and Old German actually have a lot of similarities. In fact, Old English and Modern German have a lot of similarities. So one similarity between Old English and Modern German, actually, um, I guess this is one, one thing property that German has preserved, um, but English has not preserved, is that there are different inflections for, for the nouns based off of the genitive form, the dative form, the accusative form, and the nominative form. So the dative form, for example, uh, refers to um, the recipient of an action, while the genitive form rep refers to to possessive, right? So, for example, in Old English, um, there's actually a, a distinct, a special sound for the possessive uh, uh, noun. So, for example, if I'm going to say the king's hand, right, or there are many kings, they sound the same, kings and kings, whether it's possessive or plural, there's not a distinction in, in terms of the, the sound um, of it. But if you look at... Um, Old English, the word for king is, um, the word for king is kuning, right? And the plural for, for, for that is 
Kuningjas and the the possessive for that is Kuningjas. So there's actually a, a difference in the in the sound between um, plural and possessive, right? So similar to 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 German, actually, um, they preserved um, a lot of those distinctions, right? Whereas modern English has sort of done away with them. And another example is the inflection ge, which is to indicate past tense. Um, this is used for both Old English and German to, to indicate that, right? So, for example, hollowed in Old English is jehalgat, and in German it's jehelgate, right? Um, so, both of these have, have similarities. Um, so, so, I guess another uh, example uh, of, of German and how German actually hasn't lost its inflections is just consider the word say in English. In German, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce these, but there's six different in inflections of the same word in, in German. So at this point, it's becoming pretty clear that English is becoming more analytic and it's losing some of its inflections. Um, and it's very clear the answer to our question that it's not happening to all other languages, as we clearly see with German. Um, so maybe a better question to ask is, what is causing English specifically to move in this direction? According to a to, uh, historian um, from, from the History Channel, John McWalter, um, the Norsemen and their English counterparts were able to comprehend one another in a manner of speaking. And, but the Norsemen's ability to inability to pronounce the endings of various words ultimately resulted in the loss of the inflectional endings. So, of course, um, the, uh, England had a lot of Nordic influence throughout its history. Um, a more general uh, uh, idea would be you know, during the Middle English era, around 1100-500 BC, there was a lot of contact between English and similar languages, where there was a lot of need to communicate for trading and other common purposes. So, the meaning conveyed by the inflectional endings was often not essential for these interactions, so people prioritized just learning a, a large number of English words, whereas they sort of more forgot these sort of more detailed uh, rules about the inflections, um, right, and and this this all happened as english is becoming more regularized um and inventions like the printing press for example um were making english more more standardized i suppose where where there was less diversity in terms of the the different dialects between english right um all in all there's a lot of factors that influence the way a language evolves and I thought it was really interesting, actually, that this trend of English becoming more analytical isn't necessarily reflected in, in other languages. Obviously, as we discussed, Germanic languages are retaining a lot of their inflections, and actually some languages are becoming more synthetic, which is the opposite of analytic. And these languages are actually seeing more attachment of bound morphemes to stems. So I think that this is definitely a, a fascinating uh, way to look at English. Um, and I also think that it's really interesting to ask the question, what's going to happen to English 50 years from now? What, are, what, what is this language going to sound like, right? And that's, that's really a question that I definitely can't answer. But in all seriousness, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you in the next one.